HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Domain. Domain offers discreet and secure storage, transportation, trading, and advisory services to passionate fine wine collectors worldwide. For more information, visit DomainStorage.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I am your host, Joe Campanelli. And when I'm not hosting In the Drink, you can find me this summer at Altalinia. It's our outdoor uh, restaurant at the Highland Hotel in Chelsea. It's in a beautiful courtyard of an old church seminary. And we have a bunch of great Italian wine and especially Italian aperitifs like frozen Negronis, vermouths to sip on. And the such. Uh, please join me over at Altalinia uh, all summer long, uh, 5 to 10 p.m. and 5 to 11 on Friday and Saturday. Um, and when uh, we're coming to you live today from uh, Roberta's Pizza, um, we have moved our time that we air to 11 a.m. from 10, and that is really just so I can eat as much Roberta's Pizza as possible a little bit later uh, to be open when uh, when they're actually serving lunch. Uh, you can listen to us live at 11, or uh, all of our episodes are backlogged on heritageradionetwork.org, and you can also subscribe to us on uh, iTunes. All right. Uh, I'm really excited about, I I feel like I bumbled the intro a little bit because I'm so uh, nervously excited about today's guest. Um, We have a special guest from the Valtellina region in northern Italy, in Lombardia, um, one of the uh, the family that makes the Arpepe wines. We have Isabella Pelizzati Perego. How did I do? Hi, everybody. <laughs> From Arpepe. Um, and uh, Isabella's family, I think, makes just the quintessential wines of, uh, of the Valtellina. Of the Valtellina. They are uh, just so beautiful, nuanced. They're well-aged before you receive them. Um, they are just... I, I, I love them. You can find them at all of our restaurants, at Delani, Melartuzzi, Lepicho, 
at Altalinia. We have your wines on all of our lists. I love the work that you do. I love the Valtellina. It is a special, special place I've been to. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you, Joe. Such a pleasure to be here with you. And we also have in uh, the studio Claire Sheehan from Grand Cru. Uh, I do a lot of work with Grand Cru. If you see Grand Cru on the back of uh, one of your wine bottles, you can be pretty sure that's going to be a delicious bottle of wine. Um, they have everything from very high-end, very fine, nice burgundy and, uh, and a growing and really excellent champagne list to kind of quirky uh, natural wines, which uh, is cool to see these days, and these very fine classic wines like Art Pepe. Uh, Claire, thank you for, for joining us today. Thanks for having us. And thanks, everyone, for Grand Cru for, for organizing. All right, Isabella, can you uh, tell us more about the Valtellina? I remember I was really struck when I visited by how... I almost want to say extreme of a climate it is. It is a, a river valley that on one side of the valley, it's an almost Mediterranean climate where you have vines. Uh, I think I remember cactus and figs. And that's on the northern side. On the southern side, it's like alpine. You have like evergreen trees and chestnuts um, and then the river in the middle. It's, it seems like a pretty extraordinary place. Yes, Valtellina, it's just further north in Lombardy, on top of Lake Como, on top of Milan. So we're just at the border with Switzerland. And it's a long east-west valley uh, surrounded by very high mountains. So basically, on the north part, we have um, the Retic Alps, where all the vineyards are on, because it's the north part facing south. And then we have the Aerobic Alps on the south part, facing north, that are, have no sunshine and so are much more famous for cheese making and a lot of bush trees, all wild forest. Yeah, and it's really just the exposition, how much sun you get, that totally changes. Yeah, I really like even to call the dark side of Valtellina, the other part facing north, that it's really a little bit more unlucky. But the other part, it's uh, with such much sunshine, like mm -hmm. the southern island in in Sicily, even in terms of hours of light, it's amazing. And also uh, through the way that um, vineyards have been grown there. So really like destroying the rocks over the, the mountainside to create dry stone walls. And then uh, they've actually filled up with the soil of the river, taking back on the shoulder generations and generations of work since Roman's time. So it's really a long, long time. And crazy work was the only way of doing some cultivation there and the vineyards are extraordinarily steep yeah i remember uh having a hard time and losing and i'm a marathon runner and uh losing my breath just walking up and down the vineyards for an hour or so uh, i can't imagine working in it uh all day yeah it's an amazing work and uh Believe it or not, we have 1,300 hours per hectare per year, which means one person per hectare per year to do all the job from when you put a plant up to the harvest. So it's a massive work. And uh, you have to be well trained to work on the mountains, of course. But it, it's such an incredible job and it's such a passion to be there, to, wor to work in this way with all families and generations and generations uh, yeah. Now, our Pepe, as we know it today, was born the same year that I was, 1984. Uh, but it has a longer history than that. Can you can you take us back to the years before 1984, and then and then what happened at that time? Yeah, together with my brothers Emanuel and Guido, we are now the fifth generation of a family producing wine since 1860s. Then the family has been um, going up to 73. 
with the bigger uh, companies. Up to that time, we, our brand was Arturo Pelizzati, founded by the great-grandfather. And um, then in 73, our grandfather got ill, and uh, for family reasons, uh, father and grandfather decided actually that the best solution in order to divide um, in between the families was actually to sell. So they sold the seller, the, the old brand also, but thankfully they didn't sell the vineyards. Vineyards were just divided into the family, and it was thanks to this that our father, just a few years later, exactly in vintage 83, was able to regain the, the full property of the vineyard that had been temporarily rented at that moment, and was able to start again with his own vineyards only. So he started with 10 hectares, and nowadays only we have 13 hectares, slightly increased in the past few years. But having sold the brand, he had to invent a new brand again and so he decided to use his own full name Arturo Pelizzati Perego like in the acronymus Arpepe so Arpepe is a little bit easier to yeah. uh, in, to pronounce and now within the Valtellina there are two subzones um, of their own DOCs that you really specialize in Sassella and Grumello yes we have Sassella nine hectares Grumello three hectares and one hectare also in Inferno that really never really that. made to the state because it's such a small quantity. But just recently we men, we've been able to to reach US also with Inferno with a little one that we make. Great, and you're holding the Masnagetti map, right? Is or some map here? Yeah, it's the Masnagetti map, okay. and uh, I'm always very proud to go around and show and let people understand the way Valtellina is. Actually, we have five subdenominations in Valtellina of Valtellina Superiore. So we also have the the little Maroja that it's mm-hmm. just at the entrance of the valley. It's 25 hectares only, and then we have the Sassella, one of the biggest, just at the entrance of Sondrio. And uh, Grumello just on the other side of Sondrio. So basically we have the, the big valley, the Valmalenco Valley, dividing in between Sassella and uh, Grumello. And then we have the Inferno, which is also very small. And then we find the Valgella towards the end of the valley. Then there are also some other parts, the Valtellina Superiore, without the specific subzones in between. We are talking about a, a, a length of valley that it's around 40 kilometers where we have vineyards. Actually in the past, used to be longer the part with the vineyards uh, basically we can say double and nowadays we have only 800 hectares total but up to the past we reach a moment under the swiss i mean period in between 15 15 12 up to napoleon time where valtellina was having more than 5000 hectares and still up to the previous century we used to have 5000 hectares what happened? Yeah, then uh, due to the war, of course, we dropped down from 5,000 to 3,000. And also we lost a lot uh, in the past few years due to some economic relationship because mm. Valtellina has been uh, selling the most to Switzerland and the north part. Where actually, I mean, due to the fact that Valtellina has been part of Switzerland, we're in place some special economic uh, agreements where Valtellina was actually considered like a Swiss wine. And so as they always consume a lot of their own production, basically 90% of the product was actually going into Switzerland spontaneously. So basically in the past few years, Valtellina had to sort of reinvent their own um, market. And so that's why also due to this fact, we've been losing a lot of vineyards. 
And I think uh, our generation's objective is to try not to lose any more right. vineyards because it's so important for us to maintain. We don't want to remain a museum in a few years. And we are also working, trying to insert all of this into the UNESCO heritage. That would be very important for all of us to try to protect and preserve for the future this area. Do you think there are some top quality vineyard sites that are, are not in use anymore? Or is it really kind of specialized, focused, only the best vineyards are, are really what's left? Well, I think uh, the most are actually in place at the moment. So uh, the important thing, since still nowadays only 30% of the land is belonging to people like us that are actually transforming the, their grapes to make wine. And most of the grapes, um, of most of the vineyards, 70% is belonging to little private who are actually selling most of the grapes to the biggest company. Mm -hmm. And so the objective will be to maintain all of this and try not to lose any more of these little pieces that we can lose here and there because some older people maybe might not be able to proceed anymore or children might not be prepared to proceed in the same way. So we need to try to protect all of this to maintain for the future and to make sure this land is not abandoned and, and the bush couldn't take over like has been done uh, here and there in the past few years. And approximately how many growers are there across the region? Well, we have more than a thousand growers, so it's a very big area. And you said only about 30% or 300 of their own wine exactly. brands. Okay. Oh, wow. And then east to west, is there a marked difference in the, in the climate? Well, you know, Valtellini is very long, but also we do have a lot of perpendicular valley either from Reddick side and also on the aerobic side, mm -hmm. which makes a very different microclimate here and there because of the, um, of course, of the winds. And uh, it's a, such a unique area. And also in terms of elevation, we are talking about vineyards that are going from 300 meters up to 600 meters more or less for the DOCG. And there's a massive difference in between elevation from the lower part to the, to the top part. And uh, we should probably really talk about like a Burgundy area, the Valtellina, because um, there are so specific qualities yes. here and there that we should be able to, to get the best from it and uh, do really our best to transform every single wine to make some specific area. And that's what also some small producer start to do because uh, some of the new producers we have recently on board in Valtellina are actually some people that used to be delivering the grapes to biggest company and nowadays they decided to make their own wines. Mm -hmm. And so because of this, those people are trying to make their best from their single specific zone. And I think that's something so important for Valtellina, so beauty. And, um, and so... Similar to what's going on in Champagne a little bit, where they used to sell to, to large, uh, large producers. And then where do you think that Nebbiolo, at what height uh, elevation, grows best or, or does best? Well, we normally dedicate the best, what we think is the best elevation in between a sort of 400 up to 600 meter, mm -hmm. um, either in Sassella and Grumello, to our crew vineyards. And so we really think that the highest part normally, it's the one better exposed to wind at the same time because you, we have not to forget that being the, the lake so close it's very much mitigating the area in general so we do not have very cold winter and also we always have a great breeze during the summer which is also preventing from molds in the vineyards as well and of course the, 
the higher part in the vineyards are also the well, the watch more more well exposed to the wind as well. Right, but eventually you get too high and you you see you have the uh, snow capped mountains behind you, so you can't. You yeah. only go so high, but six hundred is really the the cap. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be more uh, back with more with Isabella from Arpepe just after this. Domain offers discreet and secure storage, transportation, trading, and advisory services to passionate fine wine collectors worldwide. Since 2003, they've focused on making collecting easier and more enjoyable. With over 1.5 million bottles in storage across five facilities, Domain is the largest network of wine storage warehouses in the country. Warehouses are located in Chicago, St. Louis, Metro New York, Napa, and Washington, D.C., with refrigerated shipment hubs in dozens of cities. Their service also extends to the home collector. In the last decade, the team has organized and inventoried more than 1.7 million bottles in home sellers across the globe. Recently, Domain has launched a marketplace where clients can buy and sell wine. Trading in the network ensures that wines are stored at Domain facilities and commissions are the lowest in the industry. Go to DomainStorage.com to complete an online questionnaire and someone will get back to you within one business day. All right, we are back on In the Drink. I'm here with Isabella from Arpepe. Ipepe. Um, and uh, we have in front of us an absolutely delicious bottle of wine, the Arpepe Sacella Roche Rose Reserva. 2002 vintage um and i do want i want to shoot a question over to claire so 2002 not necessarily a vintage that you consider to be a great vintage throughout throughout italy but in the valtellina it's like this legendary extraordinary vintage when you are bringing people this wine do you have to explain that to them or do you find that most people understand that valtellina valtellina is different from from the rest i think that um a lot of times, because the grape, we're sharing the same grape with Piedmont, people just assume that it's the same region. And uh, I remember even selling these wines in restaurants and having to explain to people, although they're on the same page, uh, really, Valtellina is Nebbiolo for Burgundy lovers. Um, they're kind of more nuanced, softer tannin, and... Uh, but I think the 2002 is a great example of uh, the differences of the two regions. They are so much softer. And Isabel, why do you think that it expresses in such a more elegant and softer way? It doesn't have the hard tannin. That's a really good point, Claire, that, that, that you might find in, uh, in Barolo. Well, our Nebbiolo, it's much more floral in a way. And as I was explaining, the, the soil, uh, we have very much fragmented rocks, very sandy soil, because it was actually took over from the, the river, which is very much a glacier, rock, sandy soil. And uh, so this is the first thing. We do not basically have clay in, in Valtellina, so they are very much different soil. And then the microclimate, it's a very much cold climate, Nebbiolo at the mm -hmm. same time. 
And so we always have this floreality, this freshness and this uh, strong minerality coming from the rocks as well, which makes the wine so easy to drink at the same time. Tell us what 2002 was like there. Yeah, 2002 was really an extraordinary vintage, Mm -hmm. so extreme in a way because uh, we had also a very cold summer. But thankfully, we didn't get any ale. That was the main problem everywhere, apart from Burgundy problem. And and then we just had a, a magic September and October. So so hot, so beautiful, and with a good excursion between night and day, which is also key for us in the in the f- final moments. And so we were actually picking the grapes for this wine on the 30th of October, super late, and um, that was amazing. And um, I think a vintage like that will probably so impossible to repeat in a way. Like, for example, sometimes I like to compare with 01 and 05, that will be the next vintage. They are both much more classical vintage, or to, in a way, such a singing vintage, so expressive, so so open, and um, it's so unique. I, I think we'll be much more in trouble to repeat a vintage like that, because it's such such an incredible different vintage from anyone else yeah so you we i can buy this 2002 from your grand crew right now right this is this is available uh this this idea of aging a wine for such a long time before releasing it um is that something that that has been done since the early days is that something that is traditional and historic to the Valtellina in any way because I think that when I explain like the wines of Lopez de Heredia in Rioja I mean that's something that had been done for a while there uh, uh, to understand like what is the actual tradition or is this something that is Arpepe specific uh, and a, a modern idea today of a traditional sort of wine well We've always been aging a lot in Valtellina, the, our Nebbiolo, because I think it's getting much even better through the long aging. At the same time, the disciplinar at the time used to be that for a reserva used to be minimum five years aging. So since he got the, the DOC and DOCG, it was sort of normal to do five years, then was actually dropped down to three years, as in other regions, so, so like in Barolo, so to make a a specific uh, reserva so you could have been doing in a younger way but uh, we really have been focused since ever to this longer aging because uh, that's really what we believe in because Nebbiolo to us expresses its best through long aging we can really see the great potential of those vintages through this way of working and so that's why we, we stick on that and we try to do even more because for example in the past few years we've been actually increasing the aging in bottle because we believe that um, in a way as long as it stay in big wood should stay in bottle before being released to get the best balance and um, this, is, this is something that we we keep learning through our experience and uh, we really believe it's something so important too and so this wine has been doing four years in the big, biggest and eldest chestnut barrel 50 years old and um, and then it has already six years in bottle right now, so I think uh, it's ready to drink. It, it it really very much is, and what's so unique about it for me as well, the first uh, my first nose of it, it seemed older when I first picked it up, and as it's opening and as I'm swirling it, it seems like it's getting younger, 
as opposed to many other very you know aged wines that that the fresh vibrant fruit fruit starts to kind of fall off and isn't as vibrant here it's starting to come out more and more and it seems more youthful than than my first taste of it yeah and then uh, i'm always so surprised uh, also tasting it uh, i was still uh, young in a way in a way still a baby um, you still get all this uh, freshness and this strong minerality and uh, that will tell you that this wine can go through extra 20, 30, 40 years, just depending on the quality of the of the cellar you have, and no problem. And if your cellar is domain wine storage, then excellent quality. So you can you can age it for a long time at domain. Um, that's incredible. And can I, I, you know we've we've spoken we've mentioned Sosella quite a few times. Can you tell us what's specific about the Sosella terroir, especially where you are in Sosella? Yes, in Sosella area we have uh, very little qu quantity of soil and uh, much more rocks. So that's why you always get this extra strong minerality, this uh, a bit of austerity maybe, but then uh, that brings a lot of complexity and a lot of. Yeah, freshness to the wine, and um, and and on top of that, we can say that it's also a very windy area because of the the Valmalenco area that it's bringing all the breeze coming from the north part. So it's a very beautiful area. And you only specifically grow uh, Chiavanasca or Nebbiolo, uh, but we're in Valtellinas, we'll call it Chiavanasca. Uh, what is is it the same clones that you might see down in uh, in Piedmont, even in Alto Piemonte, or is, there, is, is it a specific clone to this area? Chiavanasca, it's really specific to Valtellina, but it's Nebbiolo 100%, and has been grown here since ever. And in fact, the recent studies in between uh, Piemonte and, and Lombardy universities has been took off that um, in Valtellina there is much more biodiversity of clones of Chiavennasca. More than 10 clones have been selected and put in production that make you really understand that probably the original area of Nebbiolo could be this area. Because from a genetical point of view, this is really what's coming out because um, only time is giving you all these great, I mean, faces and diversity. And uh, we've even found out that uh, some specific varieties that we thought they were sort of autochthons, they are instead predecessors of Nebbiolo. So they are genetically linked to Nebbiolo. So that's we can really talk about 100% Nebbiolo or Chiavennasca in Valtellina. Are these other grapes that we might uh, know of, or can you can you share this? Well, some some grapes that we thought of, like Pignola, mm -hmm. or that we thought they were specific, it's they are specific. not. No, it's related to Nebbiolo. Exactly. That's fantastic. Now, I remember a dish from my time in Valtellina that I really loved called pizzoccheri. And it seems to me a perfect dish to drink with, <laughs> to to eat with with a glass uh, with a glass of this. What are some other are there other specific traditional foods that you like with uh, with your wines? Yes, pizzoccheri. It's our typical dish made with buckwheat pasta that is handmade. We have a lot of dish with buckwheat, like buckwheat polenta. We have a lot of game meat as well. And cheese are going everywhere. And we have the two famous cheese from Valtellina, the bito, which is uh, made only during summertime when cows are on pastures above 1,300 meters. And this cheese can be mature for more than 10 years. I think it's amazing. It's so fantastic, so fresh, made by raw milk. And uh, it's amazing, something to discover. And at the same time, also, we have the Valtellina Casera cheese that is made during the rest of the year. And it's also 
very well used either for the polenta, the pizzocchi, and some mm-hmm. other dish. So we have many na- the interesting. The food's outstanding. It, it's a certain level of richness, but when you have a wine that has this much acidity and freshness and so flavorful, it, it pairs very well with it. Absolutely. And uh, just finally, I want to talk about uh, your labeling of Reserva. I think you you choose the Reserva on most of your wines, except for maybe the Rosso di Valtellina. Um, why, why is it that you, you go with this Reserva generally? Well, we like to call Reserva because uh, we want to pass the message to the consumer that it's our choice to be releasing those wines so late. So even for the youngest version, let's say, uh, our Bordolese bottle uh, that we make, we, we call them Reserva because we release after the minimum three years that is allowed to be called Reserva. And um, in a way, we would like to, to call uh, Grand Reserva those bottles, but we are not allowed by law. So we call it our crew wines because they are all made from single vineyards. And it's really our way of talking of the long-aging wines, mm-hmm. because at the beginning there were sometimes a bit, of, a, bit, a bit of misunderstanding about the way we were releasing so late. People were not really understanding why we were doing so. And I think um, by the talk about Reserva, people do really get the point, and that's important for us. How much wine do you have in your cellar <laughs> right now? There must be so much. You're, I mean, you're a small winery, I know, but if this is your current release and it is... 14 years later, there must be so much wine in, in your cellar. Well, when our father did start again, as we were saying, in 83, and we started with the vintage 84, for six years he was making wine without even selling one bottle because he really wanted to recreate these older vintages and older aging. So we always have minimum six years traveling around in the cellar in between the wood, the concrete, the steel, mm-hmm. the bottle. And so it's a lot of wine, and when we are lucky, we produce something like 80,000 bottles per year. But um, actually, it's not all the same, of course, every year, because uh, we had some very bad vintage, as we were saying. Like, 2008 was a very big ale year for us, so we decided not to make any wine, for example. And also, wow. 2014 has been very difficult, and we took the decision to do only Rosso di Valtellina. So, for example, was only half of a production and will be only Rosso, so... So the high quality Rosso in fourteen, yeah. especially it's always so good. All right, uh, this is with the bottles. I mean, you can't see photos on on the radio, but this is a, a nice idea of what the cellar looks like. Wow, I mean that is <laughs> much taller than a person. It's like uh, that's incredible. How do you even keep track of all of that? That's crazy. Well, well, of course we have to keep tracking because yeah. uh, <laughs> it's important. It just looks like a wall of wine that is all. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's truly impressive. I, I really love the work that, that you do. Claire, I'm sorry I didn't ask you too many questions. It's but, fine. Happy to be here. Well, it's always good to hang with you anyway. I'm so excited to see Isabella and, and uh, taste the, this Arpepe 2002 Sassella Roche Rosé. Uh, it is a great wine. And what else? The one thing I forgot to mention that I, that I love when producers age the wine for a long time at their own cellars is that for me, you're, it's, it's much more of an assurance that the wine is going to be in really good quality because if the wine is shipped shortly after it was fermented and bottled and then aged in different cellars here in the states it, it's never as bright it's never as good it's never as pure as clear and and this wine uh, it, it's just fantastic and, and i love the work that you're doing you can find our pepe at all of our restaurants thank you isabella 
Thank you, Joe. Such a pleasure to be here. Claire, thank you so much. Thank you to everyone at Ground Crew for, for helping to organize this. I really appreciate it. Of course. You guys do just outstanding work. I uh, love working with you. And I uh, wanted to thank uh, both David and Aaron and Jack and everyone here at Heritage Radio Network. You guys are awesome. Thanks for, for organizing this. Thanks to Domain uh, Wine Cellars. If you uh, buy some already 14-year-old Arpepe and you want to age it more, which is a good idea, then age your wine at, at Domain. Uh, it is a great place to do that. And thanks you guys for listening. This has been In the Drink on heritageradionetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.